So will you please stand? We're going to read Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years, and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called, called to her and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because Jesus had, ruled, had healed on the Sabbath, and he said to the crowd, There are six days on which man ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered to him and said, Hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose your ox or donkey from the stall and lead him away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years, be loosed from her bond on the Sabbath? <clears throat> and when he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were, were done by him. Will you pray with me? Father, I just come before you today, and I just ask that you just uh, give me the strength to deliver this message. Father, I'm, just, I'm struggling today, and I just want to... Humble myself before you and ask for your strength, Father. I just pray that you'll open up our minds and our hearts to receive and just receive your message, Father. We love you and praise you. I say in Jesus' name, Amen. So be seated. <clears throat> so this is kind of a follow-up of last week's message in a way. It, today's message is going to be called "It's a Religion Versus Relationship," and there's a crucial difference between the two. You have that picture. If y'all can't see it, it says religion. Is a, is a guy in church thinking about fishing, and relationship is a guy out fishing thinking about God. See, that's more truthful than what a lot of us understand, and it's important for us as Christians to know the difference between the two, because it will let us know if we have a genuine relationship with God. If we are only engaging in religious rituals, or if we are just engaging in religious rituals and traditions that don't bring us closer to God. Webster's Dictionary defines religion as the belief in a God or in a group of gods, an organized system of beliefs, ceremonies, and rules used to worship a God or group of gods, or an interest, a belief, or an activity that is very important to a person or group. Basically, religion focuses on following set practices and rules and on what one can do to please God. A relationship is defined as the way in which two or more people or groups talk to, behave towards, and deal with each other or in a way in which two or more people or things are connected. See, a relationship with the Lord involves accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior and having a connection with Him. John 15, 4 says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. See, this means that we can only be effective in doing the work of the kingdom if we have a connection with Jesus. I want you to think about this for a minute. One of the most effective tools that Satan has ever used to keep the people away from a relationship with the living God is religion. I want to say that again. One of the most effective tools that Satan has ever used to keep people away from a relationship with the living God is religion. See, that sounds like a false statement. But when you really think about it, you can see the truth. When Jesus walked the earth... His biggest battles weren't with pagans. They were with the Pharisees 
and the Sadducees. You see the religious leaders. Religious people often discourage others from having a true relationship with Christ because of their rules and regulations. Mark 7, verses 6 through 9, says, He answered and said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophecy of you hypocrites? As it is written, This people's honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines of the commandments of men. Laying aside the commandments of God, you hold the traditions of men, the washing of pitchers and cups, and many other such things you do. He said to them, all too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your traditions. Now don't get me wrong. Jesus wasn't against all traditions, but he was against the tr those who made traditions more important than God's word. See, the Pharisees had added hundreds of rules to God's law and then tried to force everyone to follow them while claiming to know God's will in every detail of their life. See, we have to be very careful with traditions and not allow them to become more important than what the Bible says. So I want to go through this uh, Luke 13, 10 through 17 again. It says, Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loose from your infirmity. And he had laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore come and be healed on them, and not on the Sabbath day. And the Lord then answered him and said, Hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years, be loose from this bond of, on the Sabbath? And when he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that he had done. So here Jesus is teaching. And can you imagine just how awesome it was to hear Jesus, the Son of God, teaching the Word of God? But still people had hardened hearts and wouldn't listen. Even though he backed up his teachings with mighty works of power, the religious leaders were still growing in opposition of him. So you notice that Jesus took initiative in the healing. The woman didn't show any type of faith other than just showing up. She didn't appeal to him in any way. She probably couldn't even look at him since she was bent over with her face towards the ground. But Jesus noticed her and noticed the need that she had and everything necessary to heal her, or did everything necessary to heal her. And this is just how it is to, still today. <clears throat> Maybe you've been coming to church for years in some spiritually bent over condition. Maybe people have ignored your need or you have, a, or you, or have been helpless to do anything about it. But Jesus sees you and he wants the power of his word to touch and to heal your soul today. The power, that power transforms you when you make a real contact with the living God. So I want to look at seven differences between religion and relationship in this passage. Number one, religion is marked with bondage, but a relationship with the Lord frees people from long-term problems. So this was probably like any other day in the synagogue. <clears throat> the people had come in. Men were on one side. Women and children were on the other side. The lady came in and was probably sitting close to the back. Other people probably noticed her, but I mean, she had probably been coming there for years. But most people didn't talk to her because it was so much trouble for her to even be able to raise her head. 
But Jesus noticed her. And Jesus called her a daughter of Abraham, so we can assume that she was a sincere believer in the Lord. Her faith is indicated by her being there. Just think of the excuses she could have used. She may have been self-conscious about the way she looked. She was probably in constant pain, which would keep her from concentrating on the service. But yet she was there to worship God. And most people probably assumed that she had a physical problem. But Jesus knew that her sickness was due to an evil spirit. And despite all the years that this woman had been going to the synagogue, she was still in bondage to this illness that Jesus said was from Satan. See, this woman is the picture of many people that attend church services today. Every week they show up, year after year. But they still live in spiritual bondage to sin and to Satan. Many of whom are very sincere people. But they are bent over under the load of sin and guilt. See, the religious system tolerates their sins and even sometimes shrugs it off as accepted. But religion cannot deliver them from their sins. What they need is what Jesus re- or that woman received, and that's a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. Number two, religion is powerless for a lasting change, but a relationship with the Lord is powerful. What religion had not been able to do for 18 years and wasn't even attempting to do, Jesus did in an instant. He saw her, he spoke to her, he laid his hands on her, and freed her from her affliction. For the first time in 18 years, she stood upright. upright. She didn't just attend a religious service that day. She had a personal encounter with Jesus. Meeting him personally freed her from his bondage. It didn't matter that, she, that it had been 18 years. See, Jesus doesn't care how long you've been under the bondage. That just brings more glory to God when you're healed. So I'll be wrong in saying that the moment you meet Jesus, all your problems will instantly disappear. Yes, some people do experience a radical deliverance from long-term problems such as addiction at the moment of salvation. But others struggle with those problems for years after conversion. That doesn't mean that they weren't truly converted. Sometimes God has different lessons to teach people or different purposes in their lives. But even if salvation doesn't bring instant healing from long-term problems, it always results in an instantaneous, dramatic change in the heart that can come from nothing other than the supernatural power of God. See, conversion means that the formerly dead sinner receives a new life. God changes his heart of stone into a heart of flesh. His eyes are open so that he can see spiritual truth. The captive sinner is loosed from the chains and set free so that he can have the power over sin that's, been held, that's held him in bondage. See, conversion is not a, merely a human decision to turn over a new leaf. It requires a life-giving power of God that you can only get when you have a relationship with him. Number three, religion lacks compassion, but a relationship with, G- with the Lord results in compassion. The leader of the synagogue probably hadn't even noticed that woman was there that day. After all, in those days, women were held at a lower standard than men. And the leader didn't care about the fact that she, had been he- that she was healed from an 18-year affliction. He was only bothered that the healing took place on the Sabbath. So he stood up and scolded the crowd, including the woman, for coming to the Sabbath to get, coming on the Sabbath to get healed. On the other hand, Jesus was full of compassion, especially for those who were neglected and abused by the religious leaders. Even though men often shut women out of spiritual matters, Jesus always had time to spend with women to teach them the things of God and to show concern for their problems. Jesus always had time for those who needed his touch. 
when the disciples thought that the children were wasting Jesus' time, he rebuked them and welcomed the children into his arms. When the disciples couldn't understand why he was wasting his time talking to the Samaritan woman, Jesus knew that she needed the living water that only he could offer. When we have a relationship with the Lord, we'll start to see people the way Jesus sees them, through eyes filled with compassion. Number four, religion is joyless and angry, but a relationship with the Lord is filled with joy. So here's a woman that had just had this dramatic healing, and all the synagogue leader could do was get angry and lecture everyone on the proper time to come for healings. That's just imaginable, but I bet most of us know somebody like that. See, a few years ago, we had a park and pray. We had people holding signs up that said, stop if you need prayer, or honk if you love Jesus. People were driving by honking and waving. Some of the kids that went across the street to the store and were praying for people as they came out. Everybody was happy, having a good time, except for one person. And he was more worried about the liability than the good that was, that was happening that day. And many Christian homes are marked by rules and anger. That's not saying that there shouldn't be rules or that they shouldn't be enforced. But if there is a relationship with the Lord, the house should be filled with joy more than anger. See, anger is the deed of the flesh, but joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Number five, religion is hypocritical, but a relationship with the Lord is truthful and genuine. Jesus called the leader of the synagogue a hypocrite. See, he didn't have the nerve to directly say something to Jesus, so he yelled at all the people. And he also acted like he cared about the people by saying that they could come get healed on any other day. But he wasn't really concerned about them at all. What he was really concerned about was that someone had broken his rules for the Sabbath. Now, the Bible teaches about the proper use of the Lord's Day, but to make up your own rules of what you can and can't do is hypocrisy, whatever. People end up focusing on the rules and forget that the true meaning of it is to get closer to God. In contrast, Jesus was always truthful and genuine. That doesn't mean he was always nice. Proverbs 27.6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. See, if someone was being a hypocrite, he told them they were being a hypocrite. He wasn't manipulative. He didn't go behind people's back to share prayer concerns. He was honest and upfront about everything he said, not being judgmental, but truthful out of love. Number six, religion promotes wrong priorities. But a relationship with the Lord keeps the priorities right. See, the religious leaders have valued their rules. Religious leaders valued their rules, and as Jesus pointed out, they valued their animals over people. According to their rules, they were free on the Sabbath to untie their ox and donkey and lead them to water. But it was wrong for Jesus to heal this woman that had been bound by Satan for all these years. See, many times religion has mixed up priorities. It boasts when people keep the rules, even if their hearts are far from God. It is happy with outward conformity, even though relationships are shattered. It brags about numbers, even if there's open sin in the camp. But a relationship with the Lord focuses on developing and maintaining a heart of, of love for God and for others. And number seven, religion glorifies man, but a relationship with the Lord glorifies God. Religion glories in outward fleshly conformity. conformity. But Paul says in Galatians 6.13, For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, 
but they desire that you have that you circumcised, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. See, they were considering circumcision as proof of holiness, but ignored many of the other laws. But in Luke thirteen thirteen, it says that Jesus that after Jesus healed the woman, she glorified God. See, the goal of Jesus' ministry was always to bring glory to the Father. You can't be saved by good works or by following rules. That only brings glory to yourself. But those that have truly been saved know that it came from God's grace, and they want to give glory, all the glory to him. See, people get comfortable with religion because it doesn't confront the flesh. But Jesus always confronts our, our sinful pride and selfishness. The goal of one who meets Jesus is to glorify God. Now, don't get me wrong, having a relationship with the Lord doesn't mean that you can sit around and do nothing. Doing good works will not earn you salvation, but they should flow from us naturally because of our love for God and our personal relationship with Him. And having a relationship with Him does not mean that you can use grace as an excuse to sin. John 14, 23 says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. See, I've had many people tell me that they don't worry about sinning because grace is enough. This is a huge misinterpretation of the Bible. Of course, there will be times that we slip up, but, and we shouldn't beat ourselves up over it because we will be forgiven, but we can't have the attitude that it's okay to sin because God will forgive us. I shared this the other day on Facebook. You have that other picture? It says, just because grace will send an ambulance when we get ran over doesn't mean we have permission to play in the freeway. That's more truthful than what we realize. See, we should strive to live a life free of sin, not because of the rules, but because of the love we have for the Father. So I'll end with this, Luke 13, 17. It says, And when he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. See, Jesus and his teachings have drawn a line that divides religion and relationship. This miracle isn't in the Bible so that we can come to church and hear about it and say, wow, that's a cool story, and then go home the same. It's here to ask us a question. Which side am I on? Am I going through the motions of religion, or do I have a true relationship with the Father? Will you please stand? Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for this message. Father, I just pray that you'll just speak to our hearts and to our minds, and you'll just open up our eyes to be able to truly see you. Father, we ask that you'll just remove the scales from our eyes the way you did Paul's eyes, and that we will be, just have, have a relationship with you, and that we'll just love to follow you and love to just to worship you and serve you. Father, I just ask that you'll speak to each and every one of us, Father, and just uh, deliver your personal message to us. Father, we love you. We praise you. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.